Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Outcomes Rocket listeners, welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, the podcast where we interview healthcare leaders and influencers worldwide dedicated to overcome obstacles and our common enemy, which is bad outcomes. Really thankful that you decided to, to listen to us once again this morning. You, you had a million things that you could do, but you decided to hit the play button. And for that, we thank you. And we're going to give you a great show. So today, I have a wonderful guest, Benjamin Anderson. He is the hospital CEO at Kearney County Healthcare. And what I wanted to do is just kind of give you a brief intro on him. He is actually an innovator, a strategist, speaker, board member, husband and father to two lovely twins, uh, and, and just overall dedicated to the improvement of healthcare outcomes in, in, our, in our country, really. I wanted to open up the mic to Benjamin to fill in any of the gaps of the intro that I may have missed. Benjamin, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. And I think that was plenty um, I, um, for brief intros. And so, um, yeah, I look forward to visiting with you. Thanks, Benjamin. And so, you know, one of the things that, that uh, I always like to start off the show with is, is by asking the question, why did you decide to get into to healthcare? Well, I, I really see healthcare as an opportunity to make a, a difference with people way outside the walls of a hospital. And for... Uh, several years, I was recruiting physicians to rural uh, communities, particularly in the Pacific Northwest. And I, the, the the communities I found myself in, more than more than most, were the rural or or frontier communities. They were the ones that struggled to recruit physicians uh, as much as anyone. So I I'd spend time out there just pouring myself into rural or frontier healthcare, learning everything I could about the challenges CEOs were facing so that I could be a resource for them in one particular area, which is physician recruitment. And, and what I took away from my time doing that was that um, a hospital CEO uh, or a healthcare delivery leader plays a really unique role in rural communities because Typically in rural communities, the, the skill set is agricultural, the, the education, even formal education. Uh, these are farmers and ranchers, um, mm-hmm. very, very bright people, but their skill set is, is focused on, on agriculture. And, and so somebody that comes in with an MBA or a healthcare administration degree or a law degree or a medical degree can really make an impact outside the hospital. And, and it, to me, healthcare is business with a point. I mean, it really is business with, with, uh, the purpose of impacting people's lives. Um, and I had a chance to use my graduate training in business for, for something that was really gratifying. Benjamin, thank you for sharing that. And, and, you know, one of the things that I feel like oftentimes, uh, you know, we, the conversation is lacking is, is this, this focus on, on rural healthcare. Um, you know, the, the, the people that dedicate their, their lives, uh, blood, sweat, and tears to, to really, you know, feed the 350 million plus Americans. And, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's fabulous that, that you decided to, to focus in this, in this area to, to bring those folks that, that matter so much to the lives of many and that, that perhaps oftentimes go, go uh, without being thanked. And so, you know, it's, 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 
it's huge that you decided to get there. I appreciate your recognition of rural. Rural is, is an often forgotten, uh, forgotten population, and and uh, yet they matter. They they are the source of food, but but there are human beings who live here who who uh, are you know should receive optimal health care. Who who should who should uh, yeah they're worth the effort. Totally. And, and, and so as you, as you've worked with, with the rural communities, Benjamin, and, and, you know, just, uh, have become really kind of an influencer in this, in this, uh, area, what's a hot topic that, that you feel should be on every medical leader's agenda today? And, and how is you and, and the organization you're with today approaching that? Well, rural has been slow to, to engage in the value base. Uh, movement. And I think it's not for lack of interest, but in low volume settings, it's difficult to know how to transfer risks uh, for, for the care of a population uh, to, to a facility that takes care of 1,500 people. Mm-hmm. The, the variables are just too great. The risk is too big. If, if there are one or two episodes with a few of those people, it can, it can really yeah, it can be prohibitive. It, it can it can be too risky for a health facility to take on, and yet uh, health outcomes in rural communities, uh, mortality rates uh, are are worse in rural communities than they are in in urban places. Suicide rates are higher in rural communities than they are in urban places. Um, we have substance abuse issues, we have depression, we have um, all kinds of mental health problems that are unaddressed. We have a greater uh, percentage per capita of, of, uh, of veterans uh, in, in rural communities. Are the, the, the average age of a person is higher in rural communities. There's so many challenges that we're facing. And so we need to be in that value-based space. And, and uh, yeah, I'm hoping that leaders of healthcare delivery systems in rural areas recognize that. That that's a really, really fascinating uh, information there. You know, I, I, I really didn't uh, have an appreciation of, of these different factors and the, and the demographics. So appreciate you sharing it with us. And, and, and so as, as you guys work to, to tackle these, these challenges and, and provide healthcare, um, you know what? What would you say? One of the key things that that um, your your staff and and the leadership at your hospital are doing to to tackle those challenges. Well, about a year ago, uh, I have a mentor named Elizabeth Tysberg, who mm-hmm. who is now at the Dell Medical School at the University of Texas at Austin, and, and she was uh, really communicating to me the importance of seeking what's important to patients. She, she often uh, said, often she'll say hospitals will, will survey patients and ask if the sheets were soft and if the bed was comfortable and if the nurses were nice to us and if the food was warm and delivered on time. In essence, we're asking, how did we do when we ought to be asking, how are you? How are you doing? And so last summer, we got together with the University of Kansas School of Medicine, Wichita, their Department of Preventive Medicine and Public Health, and we partnered with some students from Baylor University. We actually surveyed our entire county, uh, as many people as we could, 
And after getting basic demographic information, we effectively asked two questions of seven, seven or eight sectors of the society, and those sectors including healthcare, public health, um, daycare, early childhood development, the education system, faith community, research and extension, the employers, the community as a whole. We asked each of those sectors or sections of society, meaning we asked people of those sections of society, which of the following services are you aware of that help improve your health and wellness? And then the next set of questions along the same lines were, which of these services would you like to see more of that would help improve your health and wellness? And 85% of the communities of Lakin and Deerfield, Kansas in Kearney County uh, responded to that survey. 65% of the entire county, including the rural uh, countryside, responded to that survey. And so it, we really got a good feel for what the community was lacking and what the community uh, is seeking with regard to healthcare delivery or things that would improve their health. And, and there were surprises. For example, what they wanted most of the faith community more than anything else was community gardens. Community uh, gardens, huh? Who knew? Yeah, yeah. They, wanted, they wanted the churches to be engaged in, in food access because we're a food desert. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, getting access to, to fresh produce is very, very difficult and very expensive here. And so they, they wanted them in that space. The, the number one most requested uh, service or, or, or thing in, in the community as a whole is a walking biking trail between the two towns. And we didn't know that either, but that it came through loud and clear for healthcare delivery. People wanted at, after hours uh, or extended hours in our primary care clinic, but then they also wanted social services, mental health care, um, addiction, addiction counseling, um, weight management coaching, those types of things that insurance companies don't typically pay for. That's what they're after. Uh, and, and so we are, we have and are adjusting our strategy. Uh, to to address those needs. And we have to ask patients how they're doing and if what we're doing is actually helping them improve their health and wellness. Because if value is a simple equation that is changes in outcomes over cost, if our changes in outcomes, if, they, if the outcomes don't change and our cost stays high, it's, it's poor value. Right. And And... And, but if the outcomes do improve and our cost is manageable, well, then that's good value. And so we've got to be asking what outcomes matter to them. And, and it's often, as, as Elizabeth describes, capability, comfort, and calm. We want to be able to do what they've been able to do previously, physically, emotionally. Um, they, they want to be able to do it without significant disruption to their life. And so we've got to be sensitive to that. That that is a uh, an outstanding share, Benjamin. And this idea of asking, "How are you?" versus "How do we do?" really, you know, brings it down to the core of 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 um, you know, po- population uh, based healthcare. And uh, and uh, this idea of what are what are we doing as as healthcare leaders to to address the needs of the of the population as a whole and and addressing their their needs as as a community uh the the role of of, of hospital as 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 a you know community builder and and as you guys got this information um were, were you able to to make some shifts and and be able to to address some of those needs yeah so immediately following that we applied for a 
grant through the Blue Cross Blue Shield Foundation of Kansas called Pathways to a Healthy Kansas. Mm-hmm. And it involves developing systems that make the right thing easier and the wrong thing more difficult. That's the simplest way we could put it. But but uh, the grant is a half a million dollar grant over three years that, that is intended to be used as seed money for other even larger grants. But in that grant is to assess the sidewalks and walking paths within our entire county to figure out if people have uh, uh, safe walking paths to schools, to the healthcare facilities, to grocery stores, to the mailbox, to the courthouse, to places they would need to go. And so an engineer comes out and assesses our, our, the walkability of our county. Um, there are incentives in there for restaurants to revise their menus, to offer healthy options prominently on their menus and put calorie counts, things like that on their menus. If they do those things, they can actually get $7,000 per, per restaurant for updating their facade or their signage or their windows or their refrigeration systems, whatever they would choose. So for a for-profit restaurant to receive this is, is a, in a small community, it's a pretty big incentive. And so, um, yeah, so we're doing that. We, we pulled the deep fat fryer out of our kitchen and are replacing it with a combi oven. It's also funded by the grant. Um, nice. we are, we are extending our hours in, in our clinic, uh, starting at 7am. We'll work through lunch and do seven to two shifts. And then eventually we'll do two to 10 PM shifts, uh, as we continue to hire more providers. Um, our organization is growing very, very quickly. Uh, and so that, that's the strategy for growth is to grow in areas that people are actually seeking that care. Wow. That's outstanding. And, uh, I really admire you, Benjamin and, and your team for, not only taking this this uh, feedback, but but acting on it. it. It sounds like on 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 most, if not all, of the fronts of feedback that you got, you either found a way to use hospital resources or leverage other resources that exist in order to to uh, to deliver what the what the community asked for. So I I, uh, I admire you for that. That's uh, that's big. Thank you very much. I think we have a we have a moral obligation. If we have this information, we know it. We have a moral obligation to do something with it. We can't just survey people and say, "Oh, thanks for telling us what we're not doing," and then not do it. I mean, we now we know what they need, and if and if any if there's any scenario where harm is preventable due to, to broken processes that could be improved, or even good processes that could still be improved, we we must make those changes if they are possible or that harm is preventable and we can't live with that. Yes, 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 yes. Totally agree. And, 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 you know, as we, as we think of these processes that, that may be broken, I I think one, one of the things that, you know, as, as um, you know, leaders in this, in this uh, system, one of the things that happens is we, we learn a lot more from, from our setbacks and failures. Is there a, is there a time that, that maybe you or, or the system, one of the systems you've been a part of have, have made a mistake or have had a setback and, and you learn something from it? Can you share us uh, with us uh, something along the lines of that? Sure. I, I got a little overzealous three years ago uh, when I decided that, you know, I've discovered what our health insurance costs were and, and I discovered that we were subsidizing the cost of, of sugar-based drinks in our facilities, Mountain mm-hmm. Dew, Pepsi, just uh, soda products. 
uh, and we and, and candy bars, things like that. And so we were making this stuff cheap, cheap, cheap for staff. And yet we had uh, an epidemic of, of obesity and diabetes and heart disease among our staff that we were then paying for. And so I, I just casually went to the dietary manager who stocks all of our vending machines and said, you know, hey, let's, let's just phase out sugar-based drinks. And I didn't communicate that to the staff. And so I was actually in Africa uh, working in an orphanage. And I got emails from everyone from nursing and, and dietary staff to, to physicians saying, what in the, you know, what in the <laughs> heck happened to my Mountain Dew? And uh, it, was, it was a big, big problem when Mountain Dew dried up in their facility. And, and uh, <laughs> I didn't communicate that very well. We have not brought back the sugar-based drinks, but but I, I think that's still following me around for years later. That I was I was they had all kinds of nicknames for me that were not favorable because <laughs> oh, I just boy. didn't pull together a committee that said you know if we're going to improve these these health outcomes for our, our staff if we're going to make the right thing easier and the wrong thing more difficult how do we do this effectively should have involved the staff early on as opposed to I, I guess I didn't realize that the 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 importance of those things uh, to staff. Absolutely, and and uh, and so the takeaway is: make sure you 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 pull the the folks involved and and get them get them involved and and maybe be part and and own part of the uh, part of the process. You got it, and I didn't I didn't do that as well as I could have. And so we do have an employee health uh, task force now, and they are uh, developing a comprehensive plan not just for uh, smoking cessation, but for healthy living, healthy choices, um, exercise, those types of things. Um, and we will eventually be tying this year, we'll be tying our health insurance premiums, discounts on our health insurance premiums to, to those types of behaviors. But it will be staff led as opposed to dictated by, by me. Love it. That's that's wonderful. And Occam's Rocket listeners, the 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 theme here that that Benjamin uh, just uh, keeps going to is how do we make the right thing easier, and how do we make the wrong thing more difficult as we as we work to to implement ideas and systems uh, into our organizations. What is it that we're doing to make the right thing easier and the wrong thing more difficult? Um, Benjamin, you know, appreciate you sharing that, that, uh, challenge. Now let's take the flip side of that coin. And, and I want to ask, so what's one of the proudest, uh, medical leadership moments that you've experienced to date? We, we have, uh, we have a project called pioneer baby here mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's a maternal child health improvement effort that's again in partnership with the KU School of Medicine and our hospital. Our hospital is in a town of 2,200 people, but we're delivering, we're on pace to deliver about 300, 310 babies this year. Nice. And they come from 12 counties from up to 120 miles away. And so what we discovered a couple of years ago is that, uh, that our gestational diabetes rate, the number of or percentage of mothers delivering in our hospital with gestational diabetes was about 12, 13% or, or twice the national average. And that, of course, without uh, some early intervention during pregnancy creates significant risks 
during deliveries. You, know, mm-hmm. you, have, you have mothers coming in with very large babies, 13, 14 pound babies sometimes, um, hypoglycemic, mothers are, have, have heart issues, or a lot of times the baby uh, gets stuck in the birth canal um, and can't get out. So we recognized that we needed to do something first about just managing the pregnancies of gestational diabetic uh, mothers, but, but then also how do we get ahead of the gestational diabetes because if just if if uh, a mother has gestational diabetes and it's uncontrolled, she's 50% more likely to get type 2 diabetes or develop type 2 diabetes 10 years later. And and mothers manage the health of of everyone around them. And so we've got to focus our disproportionate share of our resources on taking care of moms so that they can take care of everyone else. Because if we we really want to see health uh, in a population improve, it's it's the gateway as the mother. And so we engaged uh, the Children's Miracle Network uh, for about a quarter of a million dollars in funding, uh, along with the Key School of Medicine. We did a needs assessment of the obstetrical population and figured out what our risks uh, risks were, and then have since been uh, been developing uh, interventions to to improve that. The most significant one was was bringing out a maternal fetal medicine specialist from uh, Wichita, from Via Christi Health, a guy named Dr. Michael Wolf flies out the last Friday of every month and sees the sickest moms in the region. And we have seen the risk for those mothers decrease substantially since he's been coming over the last year and a half. But you asked about gratifying or, or some, a proud moment. Um, since he'd been coming, really a couple of months into him coming, uh, we, we witnessed a few miracles uh, as a result of him being here. Really? It was, it was a... It was a lot of work uh, for him to come. We, we had to raise locally $100,000 to pay for a 4D ultrasound machine because that's really what he needs uh, when he's here. We had to have that on site. And communities got together, the banks got together, farmers, ranchers, individuals donated to the foundation to get this piece of equipment. And just as soon as it was in place, he started coming out. Mm-hmm. on planes funded by the Children's Miracle Network. But there were two mothers that showed up in the first six months he was here one of them had a condition called placenta previa, which the placenta was blocking the the, the exit for a baby. It's pretty pretty advanced in pregnancy, hmm. uh, and and it was causing uh, it was causing serious bleeding, and it was going to lead to her death within wow. not even a day or two. Hmm. And uh, he happened to be here that day. Our, our our family physicians taking care of this mother had gotten her into him, and and they were able to. Uh, immediately get her to Wichita through a serious surgery and some blood transfusions were able to save uh, the life of mom and the life of the baby. And um, it was one of those moments where we, we thought, you know, this is really helping, you know, we, we, we knew previously this is really helping um, mothers get better care, but it's different when you, when you see a woman walking around your community that you know would not have been walking around otherwise had that service not been available. Yeah, and, that's... Uh, yeah, ahead, it, was, it was really encouraging to see. It was it was encouraging to see that and to know that that actually happened twice. Um, that actually happened twice in in a period of a few months, and I think continues to happen. I don't hear about every story like that, but but uh, gratifying for sure, and and it's something that we continue to be involved in. We're adding thirty or so net new deliveries every year. We'll, likely by the end of 2018 or into 2019 to be delivering a baby a day in our small hospital. So, um, yeah, taking care of moms is a proud moment for sure. What a great story, Benjamin. And, and, you know, to have 
living, breathing proof of, of, of just the changes that, that are being made and, and the collaboration uh, that, that your hospital and, you know, the things that you guys are doing there is just uh, a, a wonderful thing to hear. Uh, you know, we, we, um, we got to work on, on, on improving outcomes together. It, it's really not possible to do it on our own. And uh, you're just a, a great example of that. Thanks for sharing that. Thank you very much. I, there, I have another mentor named Scott Wallace, also at Delmed in Texas, and he calls what we just talked about an integrated practice unit or a part of an integrated practice unit and really looking at the care of a whole patient who all needs to be involved from, from uh, specialists in, in primary care to, to um, care coordinators and health coaches, uh, everybody working seamlessly in the, in, in the best interest of, of that patient. In this case, we had a team of people that were invested in the care of that mother. And, and perhaps the outcome is that um, she gets to raise her kids and see, see them graduate from high school. Um, and that, that has a ripple effect on so many other people. And that's so rewarding, you know, and I think, you know, another common theme here, uh, Outcomes Rocket listeners, is that you got to surround yourself with people that are going to help you influence. Now, who's your board of directors? Uh, you're the average of your five closest friends or five closest peers. And and with Benjamin, you know, he's had some positive influences with Scott Wallace and, and Elizabeth uh, Heisberg. You know, we who are we surrounding ourselves with? These are the people that are going to influence the way that we lead our organizations. And, uh, and obviously, Benjamin, you're doing an outstanding job and uh, you're surrounded with people that are, that are, are, that are really you know, helping you do that. We're not doing it alone. So as, as, we, as we head into the, the uh, uh, syllabus uh, portion of our, of our show, Benjamin, uh, the, the process for here is we're going to pretend we're, we're putting together a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in medicine today. We, we call it the 101 course, the ABCs of Benjamin in this instance. And so I'd like to write out the syllabus to this course with you and, and uh, ask you a couple questions. There's four questions and it's sort of a lightning round. So I'll ask you the question and then you give me a uh, sort of a brief answer to the question. And then once we're done with the four questions, it's the book that you recommend all of our listeners to read. You ready for it? Sure. Awesome. So here it is. What is the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? We got to measure what matters. We have to measure, measure mat outcomes that matter to patients. Awesome. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid when measuring what matters? Assuming that we know what's best for people without asking them. Awesome. And that's, that's so true. Uh, what do you, uh, so what do you do to stay relevant as an organization despite the constant change? We're sending people through the Master of Healthcare Delivery Science program at Dartmouth College. Mm -hmm. It is a unique and unprecedented uh, um, training program that is a blend between the Tuck School of Business, uh, the Geisel School of Medicine, and the Dartmouth Institute for Health Policy. Uh, blends those faculty together, but we're sending people through that program in their online Master of Public Health program. Dartmouth really leads the nation in um, the discussion around value-based care and 
And so we, we continue to have a, an annual commitment sending people through those programs, getting them exposed to these concepts because if we invest in local rural leaders, things change. Excellent. And what is one area of focus that should drive all else in your system? Mission. So our mission is to provide quality, compassionate healthcare services for our community to enrich the lives of our family, friends, and neighbors. And we expect every employee to know those words and to live by, live by them. And uh, value is central to that. Um, core uh, value is a core value for us. Our core values are service with compassion, teamwork, and uh, respect, integrity, actual value, the word value, and then excellence. And uh, so we stay true to the, the mission statement and our core values. And um, yeah, so that's essential. Awesome. Thanks for sharing those. And, and what book would you add to the, to the end of this syllabus to f- fill it up correctly? Jack Weinberg uh, wrote a book called Tracking Medicine in the 1960s, 1970s. It's, it's, a, it's a, an essential read if somebody's going to focus on variance in care between populations and, and health outcomes. And it really just studies the the variance in frequency between care. Uh, I mean, the number of procedures provided in one community versus another one, and and how how that affects health outcomes. And there, the book highlights that there are significant differences uh, between communities that are the same size with similar demographics. Uh, you know, in the number of surgeries and the number of procedures, and and in the cost of care in those communities, and yet there is no direct tie to the health outcomes in those communities. Uh, there's no return on that investment, so to speak. And so it's a really good basis for understanding the problem. Uh, and then, um, you know, through that, we can develop solutions. Tracking medicine. And, and now comes Rocket listeners. What we'll do with this show, as with all of our other shows, we're going we're gonna to post the lessons learned as well as the books and other resources that Benjamin has shared with us in the show notes. So if you go to outcomesrocket.com and look up Benjamin, his, his episode will pop up and you'll be able to pull up the, the books that he recommended as well as the other ideas. And so, um, Benjamin, before we conclude, I just want to sh- uh, just ask you to share one closing thought and then the best way that the listeners could get a hold of you if, uh, if they had any questions. Sure. I, uh, a lady once taught me, a wise lady named Sister Mary Jean Ryan once taught me that at any time a person is harmed due to broken processes that could be better, uh, or even good processes that could be better, that harm is avoidable and that's a moral failure. And, and we commit millions of those every year, uh, every day maybe, in our, in our healthcare delivery system. And so uh, this is a moral issue. Waste, a dollar wasted or, or a life harmed or lost is a moral issue. And, and so to, to address those things, we need healthcare delivery leaders that are not simple plant managers that know how to tweak a cost report for or milk a cost report for another $100,000 by how we allocate costs, but actually um, innovators, entrepreneurial innovators that know that, that are committed, morally committed to redesigning a system because at the end of the day, people will live and die by our ability to do that well. Outstanding. And, and what, what, would, what would you say the best place for the listeners to get a hold of you if they have any questions is? You can call my, my office. My number is 620-355-7111. 
I'm extension 1517. My assistant's name is Krista, or you can email me at banderson at kearneycountyhospital.com, and Kearney is spelled K-E-A-R-N-Y. So banderson at kearneycountyhospital.com. And uh, don't just call, come out and visit us. That's awesome. And and so take the invitation, uh, Outcomes Racket listeners. Benjamin's doing some outstanding things and a uh, lot to be learned here. And so I will also be including his contact in the show notes. So don't, don't worry if you didn't get it all down. It'll be available to you online. And so, Benjamin, just want to say thank you so much for, for the time you spent together on the show. I know that, that this conversation is going to be a positive ripple effect in the way that healthcare leaders and influencers address their biggest problems. Just want to say thank you so much for being on. Thank you very much for having me, sir. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.